0: Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Show, the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions. And now, the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, here's your
1: host, Patricia Raskin. Well, hello everyone and welcome. Welcome to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. I think we're in our almost 20th year here on Voice America, and it's very exciting to be with you and always bring you, bringing you such positive, incredible guests that make a difference in your life, and today's no exception. Today, we're talking to Dr. Charles Garfield. His brand new book is The Wisdom Years, and he is a psychologist, professor, and lecturer, and author of 12 books, including Life's Last Gift. He's been recognized internationally as the founder of the Shanti Project, a widely acclaimed AIDS and cancer service organization. For more than 40 years, he's pioneered the development of healthcare and social service volunteer organizations in a wide variety of sessions, in, in, in a wide variety of settings. He is a clinical professor of psychology in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of California School of Medicine at San Francisco for nearly four decades and a fellow of the American Psychological Association. He's currently a research scholar at the Star King School for the Ministry at the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley. And he's lectured widely, addressed audiences that include a Clinton White House audience conference, the U.S. Olympic Committee, and head coaches of Olympic sports, and leadership of Oklahoma City following the bombing of that city's federal building. Wow, welcome, Charlie. Welcome, Dr. Charles Garfield, wow.
2: Well, hello, and thank you so much for the invitation. I look forward to our conversation.
1: Wow. Well, wow, you have done so much. Um, Our wisdom years, growing older with joy, fulfillment, resilience, and no regrets. And you say that the later years are not defined by success and self-mastery like they are for young adults. So it's, it's different. We have something called uh, later years. We look less at accomplishing and more at relationships. So welcome. So talk about that. Talk about what we look at more when we're older in terms of success and when we're younger. Well,
2: what's, what's interesting, when we're younger, everything is about success and climbing the ladder and achievement and getting ahead And all those things that make sense when you're in your 20s or 30s or 40s or even as you enter your 50s. But then things start changing and the priorities start shifting. And they start moving more toward relationship. Or they start moving more in later years. I'm 76 years old right now. I think a lot less about achievement and getting ahead than I do about legacy, about Mm -hmm. what I'm going to be leaving behind. For the generations that come afterwards, what, what can I leave behind that makes a difference in their lives? And those, those are the kinds of things that you don't think about earlier, not very much if at all. But they're very pressing and
1: powerful later on during our wisdom years. Mm-hmm. And I like the way you call it wisdom years. Absolutely. Why does some of the most profo- profound growth happen in our lives after 60
2: Well, what's interesting is that there's a new stage of development after 60. We don't even know this. What's so interesting is if I were to say to you, remember back when you were a teenager and things started to shift and you became an adult, that the stage of life of adulthood was different than the stage of life of of adolescence. Mm -hmm. Well, we know that. Nobody would question that. But when I say, you know, there's a stage of life after adulthood, that we're not adults in the same way throughout the rest of our lives. We move into a fundamentally different stage. I call it Our Wisdom Years. That's why I called the book Our Wisdom Years. Mm. That it's it's very, very different. It has different priorities, different potential, different ways of being in the world. And it can be very exciting as well as challenging.
1: Mm. Yeah. um, Talk about... Our health as we get older. You know, many people will say, Oh, when I get older, you know, my health will decline. Certainly, certain processes are not the same. Certain processes in our body will slow down. But can we maintain our health as we get older? Please talk about that, our physical health. Well,
2: because healthcare has developed also, and I've been on the faculty of a major medical school for over 40 years. And what I see is that I see plenty of very healthy older people. If I were to say that you're not physically as capable as you were when you were 20 or 30, well, yes, of course. Right. Um, Correct. That that makes all the sense in the world. But it's not all about decline and debilitation. I see I have a good friend who's just turning 92. Mm. He's sharp. He hikes. He gets around. Um, Undoubtedly, he has good genetics. But he also Mm -hmm. takes care of himself well, and he has very good health care. So for many of us, not all, but for many of us who are fortunate enough to to know what to do, to have the health care necessary, to engage in the kind of practices that really perpetuate good health, we can stay in good shape much longer than we ever thought.
1: But don't, and don't you think it's also the main thing you said there is self-care. It's not going to happen by itself. There are things you have to do for your brain, right, for your body, for your mind. Otherwise, it will deteriorate. We have to do certain things, correct?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. A lot of it is about self-care. A lot, about it, a lot of it is about knowing what to do. But the good news is that information is now available. Perhaps 30 or 40 years ago, it wasn't available. But now the information is available on what to do to stay healthy longer.
1: Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I interviewed Dr. Daniel Amen, who wrote the book Memory Rescue, and he talks a lot about the brain, brain health, and we're under this assumption that after 85 years old, you know, 50% of us are going to get dementia. Somehow that statistic is floating, but he's saying in his book, and I know you're saying it doesn't have to be that way because our brain can continue to grow in terms of neural pathways as we get older. Talk about that. Yes,
2: there's a concept called neuroplasticity. In right. other words, in, in uh, more comprehensible terms, what it means is our brains are flexible. We can, If we challenge ourselves, if we continue to challenge ourselves into right. our 80s and, and 90s, like my 92-year-old friend, what we find is that people are quite capable later on in life. That perhaps short-term memory decreases but what yeah. we found in many of the studies is that long-term memory actually increases mm. that that people have a more astute memory of things that happened years ago than than younger people do so it's mm. a, it's a trade-off and no it's very important not to conclude that it's all about decline and debilitation it's not
1: well, and that's what I, I, before, we're going to take a break in four minutes, but I think part of that is our concept of ageism. We have ageism in our culture, and I hate to say it, but you hear those jokes all the time. Oh, well, gee, I can't do this, or I can't put my clothes on as well. And You hear these jokes, and um, ageism has something to do with it, too. Please comment on that.
2: Well, yeah, it's a form of discrimination, like any other form of discrimination. Yep. Uh, and, and it can be very painful because... What we find is that although there is a slowing down of some processes physically and and some changes mentally, uh, what we find is that um, people discriminate against older people because they seem less productive, and in Mm -hmm. this society, productivity is everything, Mm -hmm. Uh, or at least it has been up to this point, that we evaluate people based on how productive they are. What happens after they retire? What happens when they're not productive, in quotes, in the same way as they were before? We discriminate against people who are not productive, and in the old ways, that is. And what they mean by productive is have a paying job. Well, there are all sorts of ways of contributing in the world and making a difference in life without having to have a job that pays you a salary the way you did earlier.
1: You know, I have to comment on this. I interviewed Dan Buettner, who wrote the book Blue Zones, who's the National Geographic Explorer. And he traveled around the world to find the five healthiest places on the planet where people lived the longest and were happiest and healthiest. And, you know, there were five different places. But what he found is, first of all, they ate a plant based diet, they moved all the time, but they had community. These people weren't people that were corporate people working in big, you know, big companies. They often lived in rural communities like Sardinia or Loma Linda, California. And so that is, that's really speaks to what you're saying, that these were people that were centenarians, they lived the longest, they were healthiest. What do you think?
2: Yeah, what, what I think about that is the key word that you're saying is community, that right. they had relationships, that they were right. focused on relationships. In fact, their whole identity didn't make sense aside from the relationships they had with people they were close to. So when we get, we get to be older, the relationships you have will be very, very important in sustaining a high quality of life.
1: But what happens to those that you lose? Because as you get older, you're going to lose more people.
2: But yeah, the question, I, I've, I've dealt with people at the end of life for many, many years. And one of the things uh, I realized is that people who are grieving walk in the world. You can walk in the world for the person you lost. What have you learned from that individual that you want to incorporate into your own life? When my parents died, I asked myself the question, what have I learned from them that I want to continue? What characteristics, what values, what priorities? I wanted to walk in the world for them now that they were not here. So, yes, grief is going to happen. Loss is going to happen. The question is, what do you learn from it?
1: All right, we're going to take a quick break. Um, I'm talking with Dr. Charles Garfield, Ph.D. His book is Our Wisdom Years, Growing Older with Joy, Fulfillment, Resilience, and No Regrets. All right? And he is the author of several books, many books, and we're going to come back. He's also the founder of The Shanty Project, and we'll find out, we'll talk more about that. You. And we'll hear more about positive aging, about the wisdom years. How can we be more resilient? And how do we handle those regrets and make them into no regrets? You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on VoiceAmerica.com, America's Voice. And we will be right back.
3: Streaming live,
4: the leader in internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com.
3: A Braveheart is anyone with the courage to be of service to others. If you have that courage, then Bravehearts Radio with Brian Reinbold is for you. Even if you aren't yet, you'll want to still tune in to get inspired, create your own story to share, and change your life for the better. Listen to the stories of service and courage shared by amazing guests and your input too. Listen for Bravehearts Radio, Mondays at 4 p.m. Eastern Time and 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Remember, doing good anywhere does good everywhere.
4: Do you want to hear a show about football? How about football moms? What if we told you that was just a start? Tune in for Double Down with Garrett and Mack. Audrey Garrett and Geraci Mack are moms to some well-known NFL players. Sure, they'll talk football and raising their kids to achieve greatness, but they'll also talk about community and world issues, motherhood, news, and lifestyle topics. Listen in every Monday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Psych Up Live with host Dr. Suzanne Phillips offers a psychological perspective on coping with common and current life issues. This show addresses topics as varied as marital stress, insomnia, depression, raising teens, campus violence, and building self-resilience. Listen in as Dr. Phillips and her guest experts share the latest in books, findings, and information that will inform and enhance your life journey. Psych Up Live is heard every Thursday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
1: And I really have quite a wonderful guest on today who's talking about our wisdom years. Dr. Charles Garfield is a psychologist and professor and lecturer and the author of 12 books, including Life's Last Gift. And for more than 40 years, he's pioneered the development of healthcare and social service in a variety of settings. He's a clinical professor of psychology um, in the Department of Psychiatry at the University School of Medicine in San Francisco at UCSF. And several other things he's lectured widely. He's addressed audiences that include Clinton White, the Clinton White House, uh, the heads coaches of Olympic sports, and the leadership of Oklahoma City following the bombing of the Sparrow Building and then many, many others. So let's talk about the model. There's like a model of aging. And what, what does it mean? You know, the model seems to be incomplete. Explain that.
2: The model is incomplete because we only have two essential models, both of which are are not workable in the world. They don't fit what actually happens. The two models that don't work are the one we talked about earlier, what I call the decline and debilitation model. Everything is wrong. Aging is bad. Aging is problematic. There's nothing good about it. Well, that's not true at all. We find the most fulfilled people in our study across the lifespan, some of our very most fulfilled people are older people. So decline and debilitation doesn't fit. Now, the second model that doesn't fit is that nothing's different. I'm as good as I ever was. I uh, I can do exactly what I used to be able to do. And uh, all the attempts to prove that you're as good as you ever were, and I would say it this way, there were fewer things sadder than an older person fighting a younger person's battles. There are fewer things sadder than trying to prove you're the same as you were when you were 30 Mm -hmm. or 40, if you're Mm -hmm. now 60 or 70. Mm -hmm. Um, It's neither decline and debilitation, nor I'm as good as I ever was, and nothing has changed. Of course something has changed. Mm -hmm. The question is, what is it? And And my point is, it's not only change that's negative. All sorts of positive things happen as we get older. And those positive things are part of the, the stage of life we call our wisdom years.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, another part of that, too, is we often talk about the baby boomers and the millennials. And I think there's so much we can learn from each other. I work with a lot of student interns from our local university. You know, they do a lot of PR and social media. And, and I've learned so much from these young people. And they learn from me. And I find it's just a wonderful combination, you know, um, they often have the social media skills down pat, which we didn't, you know, we didn't grow up with that. They did. And yet we offer, I think, the wisdom and the knowledge. And I think the two together are really make a winning combination.
2: Well, the, the way I would put it, and you said it beautifully, that across fertilization between the, the stages of life, right. uh, between the baby boomers and the millennials, yet the millennials think faster. They were brought up on all of, on, on yes. video games and, and social yep. media, and they talk faster and they think faster. They don't necessarily think deeper. That's the point. Mm-hmm. Uh, with uh, mm-hmm. The baby boomers are used to more self-analytic kinds of approaches. Mm-hmm. thinking things through more, reflect self-reflection, greater self-reflection, mm-hmm. so that, that there are gifts that each can give the other.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. There was a there was a movie with Robert De Niro. I forgot the name when Anne Hathaway. I forgot the name of it. But it, the 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 millennial says to De Niro that he got into a fight with the girlfriend, and De Niro says, "Well, what did you do? Did you talk to her?" He said, "No, I texted her," and he said, "You texted her," and he said, "Oh, oh, but but then I no no I emailed her." He said, "You is it?" But then I texted her. So I mean, you know, and. and, and they don't. We have to really look at things differently.
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Especially in the area you're referring to, which has to do with relationships. And what does it mean to have a deep relationship, yeah. a meaningful relationship, if your first thought is texting? Um, I, I would suggest that that's that's something that doesn't exactly suggest a deep relationship.
1: Right. And beside which, there's only so much you can do in words. What about the body language, right? And all of the other things and the, when the yes. inflection and the tone. Yeah. So Absolutely. What about retrieving our forgotten or neglected parts of ourselves? How do we do that?
2: Well, with, with, I have a wonderful story about that. How do, we, how do we regain or actually live out things that were neglected from earlier in life? My parents met in an acting class after high school. My father was the lead oh. man. He was a very good actor. My, my mother said she caught the leading man, and she, she got the brass ring. She was always very happy. He <laughs> wanted to be an actor, but it was during the Depression. Yeah, it, it wasn't a good choice of career, so he went into sales. For 40 years, he was a salesman. Within weeks of his retirement, he joined an acting troupe, ended up as the lead man in a series of plays again. I went to mm. see him, and he was, he was actually beautiful at it. He was great at it. Mm-hmm. And I asked him about that. I said, did you ever think of acting all those years you were in sales? He said, I thought about it every day, and I knew that as soon as I retired, my first thing, my first choice was going to be to, to join an acting troupe. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. What have you not completed in your life? Yeah. What, have you, what, what yeah. have you said you've always wanted to do or be, but you never got around to it?
1: Right. But you know, also, too, part of that performing is sales. So he, he was doing some of that in his work. When you think about that, sometimes the pieces of what you want, you're already doing.
2: That's extremely perceptive on your part. I asked him the question uh, when, I, when I asked him the question about uh, acting,
1: and I said, Why did you choose sales? He said, Because it was as close to acting as I yeah. could get. Yeah, it is, and and they do. <laughs> salespeople do very well, good ones. So, now let's talk about something that's a little bit difficult, and that is regrets. You know, how can you be grateful? How do you let go? Um, you know, and as you get older, you have more. T- you have had more time <laughs> for regrets,
2: including self-regret. Um, but yes, there are all sorts of regrets. And the thing that I counsel people on is to learn to write a forgiveness letter to yourself that includes the observation that you did the best you could considering who you were at the time and what you knew at the time. You did the best you could. Yeah. Write that forgiveness letter to yourself. And write a, write, the, write in the letter what you've learned from what you regret that you'll never do again. In other words, turn that negative into a positive in the sense mm-hmm. that you can learn from it, and never duplicate the same thing that led to the regret. It might be about relationship choices. It might be about career choices. It might be about all sorts of things. But write yourself a forgiveness letter so that you can lay the burden down finally, lay the burden down.
1: And it's never too late. I think that's another thing. When people say, "Oh, I'm you know I'm am t- too old to start saving," or "I'm too old to have a new relationship," or "You know, I'm I'm too old to really work on my health when I've smoked," and none of that's true. It's not too late, is it?
2: No, it isn't. I think the phrase "It's too late" is one of the most destructive phrases we have as people get into their wisdom years. Um, very frequently, the things that you think are too late are not at all the things that you talked about earlier. That have to do with relationship, that have to do with all sorts of things that we think we can't do because of our age. That turn out to be perfectly doable.
1: I, I did a documentary many years ago for uh, the division, one of the division of aging's, and I interviewed this golfer who had won the Senior Games, and he was a hundred and two and he started playing golf at 92. And he hit the ball and he hit it again and his last score was 100. He actually died at 106, but it was amazing. He said it's never too late. You can learn to play golf at any age. And there he was. He didn't have a great hearing, but he played and he played well. So,
2: I think you know. I think that's a wonderful story.
1: Well, it's even it's in my book, but what's even more wonderful is is amazing is how I met him because it was just a fluke that I heard about him when I needed someone on this documentary, and um, yeah, he happened to be in the same town. It was a national contest, and this man happened to be in the same town I was working in, which was just a fluke. But it was such a blessing to meet him and to just the attitude. You know, part of I think his long life was his attitude. He doesn't worry about tomorrow. He just enjoyed life for today, and I thought that was really something.
2: Yeah, yeah and, it, I, okay. I write about people like that in our wisdom years in the book because yeah. the, the word that comes to mind when I hear stories like the one you just told is that these folks are inspiring. They inspire yes. us to be our best selves much
1: yeah. longer in life than we ever thought possible. I think that's true. But I think we're going to see more of that now, Charlie, don't you? Because we're living longer. I mean, we have, you know, I, I either heard it somewhere or read it, that younger people are going to easily live to 100 years old. whereas the fast,
2: um, Yes, in the yes future, absolutely. The fastest growing segment of the population are centenarians, people over 100. Right.
1: And so I think, you know, it's going, and we have the medical advances now, right? We have the technology to help people. And what yes, about... And yeah. science and, you know, all, all kinds of things that can really help people live longer. Yeah. Pretty amazing. Who has inspired you of, in your book? I know you probably have a lot of inspirational stories, but tell us one of your most inspiring. Well, I think
2: you know, the story I told before about my father was uh, when, he, when he went into acting after a life in sales. was a very yeah. inspiring story because it, it taught me that it's never too late to do what your heart's what your heart tells you you want to do. But another story that I wrote about that really moved me was a story about my mother. Uh, She was somebody who, uh, in her generation, graduating from college was a rare thing, but she did. She made it. And her whole life, she wanted to get a doctorate. She wanted to have a doctorate. It really meant a lot to her to be called doctor. Well, interestingly enough, you know, she raised a family, she raised a couple of kids, and did what she chose to do. When she retired and my parents moved to California, they were right near UC Berkeley, one of the great universities in the country, and she decided that she was going to work up a curriculum for herself, a doctoral curriculum, and she was going to audit classes and satisfy her desire to complete a rigorous uh, Schedule of classes that allowed her to to get the feeling that she had gone through a doctoral program. Mm. She sat in on classes. She wow. uh, did that for several years. Studied. Didn't she? Didn't have to do papers or take tests because she was only auditing the classes. But she studied. She probably studied harder than the students, the graduate students, in the classes. Mm. And uh, I asked her the question. Nobody minded that you sat there, and she said, "No, nobody throws out a little old lady." And she, uh, mm. she did a, a tremendous job in satisfying a desire that had been there for decades.
1: Mm. I found
2: that very inspiring, that uh,
1: you That's can do something amazing.:
2: as, You can do something as difficult as that and do so. Uh, and she was in her 70s when she did it. Yeah.
1: Well, that's the drive and motivation. It's the intrinsic things, right? As you said, uh, you know, all the external things, the cars and the, all the all of that stuff. It's not as important as we get older, is it?
2: No, it isn't. You, you find the desire to have things, possessions. You know, I, I call it uh, affluenza. It's a kind yeah. of uh, disease of, of affluence. And you find it disappearing largely in the lives of many people as they get older. They're not interested in big houses and big cars anymore. I find it fading in my own life in major
1: ways. I don't think about it at all anymore. Mm, Yeah, I I think, yeah, so true. All right, we're going to take another break. And my guest is Dr. Cousin. His book is Our Wisdom Years, Growing Older with Joy, Fulfillment, Resilience, and No Regrets. We'll be back right after the break. And we'll talk more about how do you use your gifts to nurture what will live on? And how do you broaden and deepen love in your life? Talk about that next with Dr. Charles Garfield. I'm Patricia Raskin, host of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show. We'll be right back.
4: on the Voice America Variety Channel. Get ready to go inside the lives of some of the top recording artists the music industry is known. Join host Troy Bronstein every week as he becomes a prince among queens. Troy discusses the careers and past, present, and future projects from these artists. And if there's time on each show, you just might hear some performance gems as well. Listen for Prince Among Queens, every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific time at 6 p.m. Eastern time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas.
0: You are listening to The Patricia Raskin Show. If you wish to call into our program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That number again is 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Now, back
1: to The Patricia Raskin Show. Hi, and we are back. And we are back with my guest, Dr. Charles Garfield. Who's the author of the new book, Our Wisdom Years Growing Older with Joy, Fulfillment, Resilience, and No Regrets? Okay. Charles Garfield is a psychologist, professor, lecturer, and author of 12 books, including Life's Last Gift. And he's a clinical professor of psychology at the Department of Psychiatry at the University of California of Medicine at San Francisco and he's been there for nearly 4 decades. He is also the founder of the Shanty Project, which is a widely claimed AIDS and cancer service organization. And he's widely he's lectured widely. He's addressed audiences that include a Clinton White House conference, the US Olympic Committee and head coaches of Olympic sports as well as the leadership of Oklahoma City following the bombing of that city's federal building. So, welcome back, Charlie. Welcome back, Dr. Oh, Dr. Garfield. All thank right, you. Let's, my, my pleasure. Good. Oh, good. I'm so glad to have you. I just love this topic. It's one of my favorites. So, let's talk about how do you use your gifts to nurture what will live on? So, how do you leave a legacy?
2: Well, it's first, be aware of the fact that you have a legacy. That there are things that you can leave behind to your children or grandchildren, or if you don't have children or grandchildren, other, other people in general, anybody around you, friends or other people, uh, that you're most proud of, things that you're most proud of. What, what do you value most in your life? What have you learned that you'd like to pass on? It might be a higher value. It might be beauty or compassion or justice or service. Um, uh, Leave the what? What legacy do you want to leave behind? And I, I talk about legacy projects in the in the book. Uh, that I think of my books, in fact, as legacy projects. They're mm-hmm. information I'm leaving behind. Yeah. Um, you know, when, uh, it, a little story when when Amazon picked Our Wisdom Years as its number one new release in the aging category. Wow. I was thrilled. I was thrilled both because I was glad the book was getting attention, but I was also thrilled because I knew it would get out there and the information that I had in the book that mattered a lot to me because it improved the lives of older people. Uh, that information was going to get out in the world. That was my legacy. So this is my legacy project. What's yours? And it doesn't yeah. have to be big. Again, it yeah. doesn't have to be a, you don't have to write a book. You don't have to do a uh, right. large project. I say that all
1: the time. I say to people now, just take your iPhone or your smartphone, right, and 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 record the wisdom of your elders. Record it and transcribe it. I
3: Absolutely. mean, I...
1: Yeah, I mean, when I wrote my second book, Pathfinding, my father was alive then. He had a lot of wisdom. So I got all his stories. And they're in the book, and I put them in shaded blocks. So all you have to do is go to the shaded blocks, and those are his stories. And so his legacy will live on for his grandchildren. So I, I think, you know, you don't, as you said, you don't have to write a book. But, you know, once those stories are gone, they're gone. Once those grandparents tell those stories about their parents... It's, it's in their heads. It's gone after that. So, you know, get them out.
2: You know? Absolutely. You're saying it beautifully. And, it, you know, you, you can have it written down. You can have it in audio form so people can listen to it. You can, you can record it, as you say. Um, yeah. There are all sorts of ways now to document the wisdom of, of the older folks. And you're, you're quite right. Once it's gone, it's gone. Yeah.
1: Now, how do you broaden and deepen love in your life? Well, first ask the question, have you ever experienced
2: a deep abiding love? Do you know what it feels like? Mm. Do you know, have it, has it ever happened for you? And, you know, there were all sorts of people I interviewed for the book. When I asked a very challenging question, I asked, have you ever had a soulmate in your life? Somebody who really was your main connection. Mm. And, uh, and there are people who said yes, but there were many people who said Well, frankly, no. Uh, I've had relationships, but I've never had the the deep relationship. What I'm talking about is a relationship where it becomes natural for you to speak from the heart, to listen from the heart, to act from the heart in service to this other human being, somebody Mm -hmm. you're rooting for, somebody you really care about deeply. Um, And has that ever happened for, for you? And then realize that even if you're in your 60s or 70s or older, it's not too late to have this kind of relationship. There are Mm -hmm. all sorts of uh, online services now that people are using um, to match up with other folks, Mm -hmm. to connect with other folks. Make the choice wisely is my point.
1: Charlie, does it have to be um, a, a romantic soulmate? Could it be... A child, a friend, does it have to be, you know, the romance and the intimacy connected to it?
2: No, it doesn't. I mean, that that's part of some relationships and not part of others, obviously, if it's a relationship with a child. Intimacy means something different, say, if you're talking about a soulmate relationship with a child. The intimacy, intimacy means deep sharing, a deep sharing of what matters most to you in life, that you share each other's lives. You're, you're traveling the journey with the other person. You're, you're rooting for them at a fundamental level in fact you would say honestly and the, the question is a tricky one but you have to be able to engage it are you rooting for this person's welfare as strongly or more strongly than you're rooting for your own mm. and if the answer is yes really if the answer is really yes then you then you have a relationship that I would say qualifies as a soulmate relationship that, that you have a uh, from a soul deep connection with this other human being. Mm.
1: So it could be, it could be a parent child, right? It could be a spouse. It could be a significant other. It, it could, could be, be a, a relative. Friend.
2: It could mm. be a friend. Mm.
1: Um, you
2: know, I had a, a dear, dear friend, uh, who died young. He died at 55 of a nasty cancer. And, uh, I remember doing the eulogy, and I remember saying in the eulogy, people don't understand the concept of best friend. If I'd say, do you understand the parent-child connection, they'd say, of course, or uh, uh, a lover connection or um, a married couple connection. Um, Everybody would say yes, but if you say best friend, somehow people think it's less significant, and I would beg to differ that a soulmate connection be, can be a connection of best friends.
1: Mm. That's very, and say that again. I loved what you said, the sentence. Do you want, you want their welfare more than your own or as much as your own? Say that yes, again. You,
2: you're rooting for the welfare of the other person as much or more than you're rooting for your own welfare. Mm. That you really have a strong desire for them to do well to be happy, to make sure that their lives are working as well as possible. And you keep, that, you keep those questions in mind because you care about them so much, um, as much
1: or more than you care about your own welfare.
2: Mm,
1: wonderful. That's really very special. Yeah, Tell me, how can people get your book?
2: You can get the book, uh, well, you can certainly get the book on Amazon. That's one of the ways. You can get it at your local bookstore. Uh, You can get it through the publisher, Central Recovery Press. Mm -hmm. Um, There are many ways to get the book. All you have to do is uh, online, just uh, uh, on uh, Google or any other search engine. Our Wisdom Years. And my name, Charles Garfield, and all sorts of ways of getting the book will pop up. But I think uh, Amazon's a good way of doing it. Good.
1: Did, uh, do you have a website as well for people to go to? I do. I do. Uh, CharlesGarfield.com. Okay. Wonderful. And I know you do a lot of lectures and talks on this subject. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> the world is keeping me
2: busy talking about aging. Yeah. <laughs> which is Which is great. Which is great. People are fascinated right. by the subject.
1: Yeah, Well, and it's happening for all of us. All of us. Absolutely. Um, yeah. All right, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we'll talk, turn, learn, talk more about how do you forgive people who've wronged you? How do you slow down and use your idle time and embrace the most of this stage of your life? And, you know, how, do you, um, how are you grateful for the mistakes you've made? So we'll talk more about this with Dr. Charles Garfield. And his book, again, is Our Wisdom Years, Going Older with Joy, Fulfillment, Resilience, and No Regrets. And his website is charlesgarfield.com. You're listening to the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com, America's Voice. And we will be right back.
4: Listen live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Tune in every week for Making Action Happen, hosted by Sarah Blackhurst. The program takes you inside Action 22, a Colorado-based community outreach organization established in 1999. The show focuses on public policies, both politically driven or not, which have ongoing and immediate impact on the Colorado community and the world. It doesn't matter where you are, you can make action happen. Listen Thursdays at 12 noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time, and 1 p.m. Mountain Time on Voice America Variety.
3: Join Chris Epting every week for the moment chris talks to some of the most amazing people you'll ever meet including authors artists and athletes and that's just the a-list these celebrities and public figures have interesting stories that all showcase the moments that their lives took a certain dramatic turn changing them forever and shaping them to be the person that they were meant to be listen for the moment with chris epting wednesday at 11 a.m pacific time 2 p.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel
1: And his book is The Wisdom Years Growing Older with Joy, Fulfillment, Resilience, and No Regrets. And Charles Garfield is a professor, psychologist, and lecturer, and the author of 12 books, including Life's Last Gift, He has been recognized internationally as the founder of the Shanti Project, a widely acclaimed AIDS and cancer service organization, and for more than 40 years, he's pioneered the development of healthcare and social service-oriented volunteer organizations in a wide variety of settings. He is a clinical professor of psychology in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of California of Medicine at San Francisco, and he's been there for, done this for four decades. And he's also a fellow of the American Psychological Association and a research scholar at the Star King School for Ministry at the Graduate Theological Union in Berkeley. He's lectured widely, has addressed audiences that included a Clinton White House conference, the U.S. Olympic Committee, head coaches of Olympic sports, and the leadership of Oklahoma City following the bombing of that city's federal building. So, very, very accomplished. So, welcome back All right. Let's talk about yeah, right here. All right, let's talk about. Um, let's see, there's so many wonderful things here. Really slowing down and using the idle time to embrace the most fulfilling stage of life. Talk about that. Well, the most, I think, the
2: most important discovery that psychology has made and that has contributed to the public welfare has been self-reflection, introspection. And what we find among older people is when they slow down, when they decide to slow down, it's not just the way we talk about it, which is the body will slow you down, but it's also the conscious choice to slow down, to create safe space, to create space where you you reflect, where you think, where you do what's called a life review. You look at your life and ask, what are the primary lessons? uh, what am I most grateful for in my life? Uh, what do I regret the most? And what have I learned from those regrets? Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we find people thinking about the most important events in their lives. I ask people often, what, what are the three most important events in your life and what have you learned from them? Um, in in self-reflection and slowing down, you find people thinking about the, what we talked about earlier, what are those things that you want to pass on to younger generations from your wisdom and experience?
1: And um, sometimes those three things may not be positive things. They could be milestone, like it could be a divorce, or it could be yeah, someone oh, died. Absolutely. But absolutely. it's what you do with it after that, right? That's how you handle what it. What you
2: learn from it. What, the key is what yeah. you learn from it. Not so much whether it's positive or negative, although we'd all prefer more positive things, I'm sure. But it's sometimes we learn the most from the negative things, from the, from the pain and suffering. And I call it the gifts of suffering. What are the gifts of suffering? What have you learned from those things that hurt, um, that you want to pass on, that you want, that you want to build into your own life? Um, and
1: speaking of that, let's look at the next one. Forgive those who've wronged them. That's yes. a hard one. That's a hard one. It, sure, it is. But will you will you
2: finally lay the burden down? One of the saddest things is working with people at the end of life, and you and you know they, they don't have much time to live. And you're sitting there talking with somebody, and they may be in a bed in a hospital or at home, uh, and the the key question that comes up for them is the the people that they uh, that wronged them, the, the people that they that they haven't forgiven. And my my comment is, will you lay the burden down? What have you learned from it? What might you pass on to other people that you learned from that situation? And will you finally forgive? Forgive doesn't mean forget. Uh, You can can forgive somebody but not forget the situation. But will you let go of the negative feelings associated
1: with the event or the, the circumstance? Here's one. Pivot away from duty towards the things that bring you joy. Do you think that's easier to do as you get older? Whereas when you're younger, it's harder because you're in the role of the parent or the father or the mother or the breadwinner. What do you think?
2: I think that's exactly, you're saying it beautifully. That's exactly right. In the adult stage of life, duty becomes indispensable because you're a parent, because you're a father or a mother, because you have a job, because you're earning a living. You know, you have all these duties that you've got to fulfill. Later on, it's different. Later on, we think of higher, what I think of as higher values, beauty and compassion and justice and service and love, of course, the kinds of things that make a difference later in life. One of those things is joy. What brings you the most joy? I live in a place where I have a view from my uh, office and from my living room of of the city of San Francisco and the Golden Gate Bridge mm. and the San Francisco mm. Bay and beautiful, beautiful. sunsets. I, beautiful. Love, I love taking a look at that view every day. It nourishes me. I get joy from that. When yes. I was younger, I was too busy.
1: Yes. Yes, so important. And, and that ties into the next, this one. Apply your natural love for mission and goals to the project of building a soul-centered life. S-O-U-L centered life.
2: S-O-U-L, yes, a soul-centered life. In other words, it's another way of saying what I said just a moment ago about right. higher values. Right. right. That, uh, will you build a life based on higher values, not just achievement, not just getting ahead, not just producing, not just climbing the ladder, but rather higher values, the right. kinds of higher values that older people discover are most important, the things that thrill you. The the ancient Greeks called it temenos, temenos, Mm. sacred space. What is that sacred space for you? It could be a redwood grove. It could be a beautiful sunset. It could be looking at a a grandchild. What what really lights you up?
1: uh, What brings you the most joy? It's beautiful. How would you like to? What would you like to leave our listeners today? What's your message?
2: Well, my message is that. Our wisdom years are a fundamentally new stage of life, past adulthood, beyond adulthood, and that we can learn and grow and develop well into our 80s, 90s, even over 100. We can learn and grow for many, many years. If you retire at 65 or 70, you may have 30 more years. What will you do with those 30 more years? And what I would suggest is that they can be the most fulfilling years of your life.
1: Thank you so much, Charlie. It's just beautiful, really. Such a special interview and thank you for your guidance and your wisdom and your insights and your companion. Well, thank you so much.
2: <laughs> thank you so much for the uh, for the invitation to join
1: you. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you. Stay on the line for a minute. All right, folks, that wraps up this edition of the Patricia Raskin Positive Living Show right here on voiceamerica.com. And remember, you can get a copy of The Wisdom Years Growing Older with Joy, Fulfillment, and Resilience and No Regrets by going on to Amazon or calling your bookstore. And the website is charlesgarfield.com. All right, folks, you can find me on Facebook. You can like me, Patricia Raskin, Raskin Resources. Also, if you'd like to get on my email list so that you can see all the guests that come on every, every week, uh, just write to me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. And if you're thinking of starting your own podcast, uh, which there are many, I help people do that. And I, I love creating them. I've interviewed so many thousands of people. So would love to help you. So contact me, Patricia at PatriciaRaskin.com. Remember, stay healthy, stay healthy happy get the support you need and know you can make your dreams come true until next time i'm patricia raskin bye for now
0: thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of the patricia raskin show be sure to join patricia raskin and another amazing guest next monday at 2 p.m eastern time 11 a.m pacific time on the voice america variety channel have an outstanding week